The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You're listening to the Wellness Her Way podcast. I'm your host, Gracie Norton, and I'm so excited to provide you with a space where you get to shape what wellness feels like to you. Wellness Her Way is where we make a home of our body, mind, and soul instead of jumping on trends for short-term results. We've got one body. We're going to nourish it, love it, respect it, and embrace it through all its forms. Happy Monday and welcome back to another episode of Wellness Her Way. Today we're chatting with Bethany McDaniel. She's the founder of Primally Pure, which is one of my favorite hormone-friendly brands. She's got so much knowledge to share about endocrine-disrupting ingredients, how they affect our body, and what simple changes we can make in our environment to improve our health. I've been using her products for over two years now, and Primally Pure is one of the only brands you can shop where every single product is made with real organic certified ingredients. I learned so much recording with Bethany, and I cannot wait for you to hear some of her wellness practices that she shares at the end of this episode. Let's get into it. We have Bethany McDaniel with us. She's the founder of Primally Pure, and I'm so excited to have her on because Primally Pure is one of the first brands that I found when I was making hormone-friendly swaps. I started using your deodorant. I just used your face oil this morning. Your products are incredible, and I'm just so excited to dive more into the brand, and I just can't wait for you to educate the audience on the importance of hormone-friendly products. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I want to start by learning more about you and your story because I feel like there's a lot of greenwashing in this space, and there's a lot of brands that pretend to create products that have good ingredients, but anytime I'm making a recommendation to a friend, if you scroll on your website... All the ingredients are listed. Your brand is so transparent about everything that's in there. So I kind of want to dive into like how you started, what inspired you to learn more about these ingredients and where the brand started to blossom. Yeah. So I started really as like an outpouring of my own journey, my own health and wellness journey Mm -hmm. in high school and junior high. Really, I started getting acne and went to the dermatologist and was told, you know, take this pill and use this cream and it'll all be okay. And so that's what I did. And I took different antibiotics and other internal medications, as well as tons of different topical ointments and creams and found that some of them worked, but then I was left with like sensitivity issues and also big like gut disruption issues from taking round after round of antibiotics in high school, which I didn't realize at the time, obviously, or else I wouldn't have done it. But It's kind of crazy that I was prescribed something to, you know, wipe out the bacteria and temporarily help with my acne. But then ultimately, when you go off of those, like you're left with an even bigger problem of gut disruption. And so I was kind of like doing the conventional thing for a really long time. And then and kind of like some things worked for a little while. But ultimately, I just always knew there had to be like something else, like something deeper going on. I just didn't know where to go to find those answers. And it wasn't until college when I started working at Trader Joe's. I love Trader Joe's. Oh my gosh. I go to Trader Joe's like three times a week. I'm just oh my like, gosh, if, I, yeah. if I'm feeling down and I want to be put in a good mood, I'm like, I'm just going to go to Trader Joe's and it's just so walk fun. around. It's so Sometimes fun. Sometimes I don't even need anything. I always right. walk out with something. But right. I'm like, okay. So I it's love just, that. Yeah. It's, they always have so many new fun things. And yeah, it was do. the best job. Like I loved it. Everybody there is Great so people. sweet too. Yeah. Anytime I'm checking out, it's always like this person is like, I feel like I'm best friends with every single cashier there. (laughs) I know. So many good conversations. That's just the culture there. It's like everyone's friendly. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great college job. So I worked there all four years of college, actually. And towards the end, I had a coworker say, why don't you try jojoba oil on your skin? 
I was like, I'm not going to, my skin's so oily and acne prone. Like I'm not going to put more oil on it. That sounds so counterintuitive, but she was like, trust me, just do it. Just use jojoba oil. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. I did. And I felt like my skin was more balanced than it had ever been before. And that was only swapping one thing. And how long were you applying the oil until you started noticing a difference? I mean, it felt really good right away. Okay. And it felt really balanced. And I noticed the next day, like, wow, I thought my skin was going to be like excessively oily and it wasn't. It actually felt more balanced. Yeah. I feel like that's a really big misconception because I know when I struggle with hormonal acne, the last thing I wanted to put on my skin was oil because I thought that exact same thing that it was going to break me out. Yes. And growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, that was like the age of Stay Knives, Apricot Scrub. And that was me all through high school, like using the harshest products I could find, not realizing that I was stripping my skin of its natural moisture barrier and causing it to overproduce oil. So the jojoba oil was kind of the first thing that clicked for me. Like, okay, maybe this is maybe this is like a trajectory that I should lean more into. But I didn't fully like go down that path yet. I kind of kept that in my back pocket, kept using it, but I was still like using other products that weren't natural. And it wasn't until I met my now husband and he was in the process of of starting a regenerative farm with his dad and brothers. And they were kind of on this tract of eating real foods, eating healthy. And it just made sense to me like, okay, I've been eating packaged processed foods my whole life. I'm not like, I don't have a full-blown health condition of any kind, but I have these like little lingering issues, like acne has always been an issue on and off, like gut issues kind of on and off. It makes sense that, you know, maybe I should try something different. So I started eating real food, noticed a huge difference in the health of my skin and also my overall health, my immune health, um, just how I felt on a day-to-day basis, periods were better, all of that after a few months of eating real whole foods. And so then I was like, okay, I've been wrong about diet my entire life. I've been eating all wrong, thinking I was eating healthy. Mm-hmm. I was doing every craze, like vegetarian for a while and didn't do it in a healthy way, like low fat for a while, you know, all the different things. None of it worked until I just started focusing on whole foods. So then I was like, okay, what else am I doing wrong? And then personal care products and beauty products were like the next place that I looked. But this was back in two thousand gosh, 2012-ish when I was like looking at what else can I start using? And there weren't a whole lot of natural options. There weren't, there were like, there was Tom's of Maine deodorant. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it doesn't work at all. And that was like the big joke. Yeah. Yeah, It was like natural deodorant doesn't work because Tom's was the only thing that people were trying because it was the only option. And so I was like, okay, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something else. And I just started researching ingredients and started making my own products out of ingredients that I like found to be interesting and healthy. And a lot of them were things that I already had. It was like coconut oil, baking soda. That was my first deodorant was and coconut so oil and baking when soda. When you started to research these ingredients, were you kind of just like practicing putting things together in your kitchen? Like, yeah, okay, it was so all in my kitchen. all of your concoctions in your mm-hmm. kitchen. It was all in my kitchen. Out. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and we even have a DIY series on our blog now of like, if you aren't ready to purchase natural products yet because it isn't within everyone's budget to do a complete like product overhaul overnight. So if that's the case, you can do so much with just ingredients that you probably have in your kitchen. So I'm really big on that. But that's how I started. I started just 
making products out of mostly ingredients that I had and ordering some things like I ordered beeswax and different things that I didn't have laying around. But I was able to do so much with that and make so many different products out of just like the five or six or seven, like very simple ingredients that I started with. I started sharing those with friends and family. They were wanting like more of them. And then at one point, about after a year or two of doing that, of kind of like doing it as a hobby, I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this and maybe I should get more serious about like getting these products into more people's hands. And when you were making those products in your kitchen and giving them to family, were you getting feedback from people just being like, they're working, I'm seeing an improvement in my skin, or this is the first natural deodorant that actually works? What yes. type of feedback were you getting? Yes. All kinds, all a lot of that stuff. And also like a lot of, um, so the deodorant took me like 200 tries to get it right. Okay. And so people lo- like it worked really well. Um, in the beginning, it worked really well because I was using a lot of baking soda, okay. but it was also giving people rashes on their underarms. Baking okay. soda can do that. And there are a few natural brands out there that are really popular right now that are still, in my opinion, using way too much baking soda. We get a lot of people that come to us after using certain other brands and they're like, okay, yours actually like I can actually use it without breaking out in a rash. So that was like one thing that I did wrong in the beginning. But um, but yes, other than that, like I was getting a lot of positive feedback about and. I was doing a cleansing oil back then too. That's amazing for balancing out acne. And so it was really encouraging just to hear from that it wasn't, you know, I had had this positive experience with them, but also to hear from other people that these products were making a difference. It just kind of added fuel to my fire to get these products out into more people's hands. And it's so sweet that you started in your kitchen and now Primely Pure has grown to such a big company. You have a ton of employees. Did you ever think that what started in your kitchen was going to turn into what it is now? (laughs) No, no, I didn't. And it was, I really just started it like, because I loved it and it was a passion project. And my goal was to make an extra $500 a month, you know, in addition to the farm stuff that we were doing. And so I never, never thought it would turn into what it has. Yeah. I always say that anything that's done in love always blossoms into something amazing. Like you started out of the goodness of your own heart, wanting to solve your own problems then gave the product to family and now it is what it is. And that's one of the reasons I love your brand so much is because I feel like you have maintained that same integrity from when you made the products for your family to, you know, you're making these products for so many people now. So I love that about your brand. Thanks. Lots of heart for sure. Hi, I'm Claire. And I'm Erica. We're the hosts of A Thing or Two. We are professional enthusiasts constantly on the hunt for the products, books, and trends that should be on your radar. And we share them with you every Monday, whether it's marinated olive oil that we're putting on everything, a deep dive on pillows, or the fact that suddenly gas stoves are on everyone's outlist for 2023. We challenge the friends we invite on the show to bring their own favorite thingies too. Like when Ellen Van Dusen spilled about the IG account that's keeping her current with the youths. We also love a gift guide. We take listener questions, Dear Abby style, and tell you what to get your vegan minimalist co-worker or your sister-in-law who loves to hunt. So be sure to listen and follow A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica wherever you listen to podcasts. Going back to the ingredients and how these ingredients are directly impacting our hormones, because I feel like there's so much education that needs to be done in this space. Like I said, there's so many brands that are greenwashing. When we look at a label, we don't really know, you know, what to be looking out for. There's an app that I use sometimes called Yucca, Yucca, I'm probably mispronouncing it, where you scan the product and it can tell you on a scale of one to 10. But I found sometimes that that's not always super accurate for every single product. 
So I want to start by understanding what are these ingredients that we can be looking out for when we're reading labels? I mean, natural products are so trendy right now, which is great. More people are becoming aware and knowledgeable, but it also comes at the downside of like companies are wanting to capitalize on that and make their products seem more natural than they actually are. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many ingredients on the market today, tens of thousands of different types of ingredients, and very few have ever been tested for safety. And so it is hard to like look at a product and know, okay, like when you can't pronounce most of them, especially like how do, how does the average consumer even know like what to use? And so we really prioritize using ingredients that you can pronounce. So instead of looking out for this list of like, can't use this, can't use this, like we can't memorize like the whole ten, <laughs> thousands yeah. of ingredients yeah, yeah, and yeah. know like the safety of them just in our heads. So yeah, we really prioritize as a brand using ingredients that you can easily pronounce and like know what they are just upon looking at them like jojoba oil, lavender essential oil, and things like astaxanthin, which is a really potent algae, an antioxidant found in algae. Like not everyone's going to know what that is, but like we do have certain hero ingredients and you can easily like Google. It's like one or two things, you know, that maybe you don't know what they are, but you can like Google them and see, oh, it's, it's from algae. It's like a powerful antioxidant found in nature. And so that is kind of like what we go by. And then just in terms of ingredients, like types of ingredients to avoid, parabens, there's more knowledge around that now, now but those are really harmful for hormones. Phthalates are another one, really bad for the hormonal system. Those are what make fragrances sticky. So if you've ever noticed that obviously when you spray like a perfume on you, it sticks to you. But even sometimes like if you've ever gone in a bathroom that has those like plugins that they're just, yeah, they're so strong. Sometimes I get headaches. I notice if I'm in a space that has one of those plugins or even like a really strong candle from Bath and Body yes. Works. It's like, oh yeah, my, my head gets fuzzy and I almost have brain fog. Totally. And it, it, candles, you mentioned candles. Yeah. Um, a lot of candles are made with petroleum products that actually have known neurotoxins that are known to be neurotoxic. And so, yeah, it totally makes sense that, that that would cause a headache. But if you've been anywhere and like you've been anywhere where there's a strong fragrance and then you leave and then you still like smell that on you, that's because of the phthalates. They, they make fragrances sticky. So they stick to you and they disrupt your hormones. And so those are important ones to avoid. And then fragrance is another big one. Fragrance is not just like a single ingredient. It's a chemical cocktail of up to thousands of different ingredients and it's actually protected by the FDA as a trade secret. So companies don't have to disclose what's in their fragrances. Wow. But the EPA did a study on fragrance and found that 72% of what's in fragrance is hormone disrupting. And so even if you're using a product that looks pretty good and it just has fragrance on there, that, that term alone could include thousands of different ingredients that could be disrupting that are most likely actually disrupting your hormones. So it's an umbrella term for exactly. whatever they want to put in the product. Exactly. And our endocrine system is a, such a precise messaging system within the body. Our hormones are you know, so interconnected and it, they're created to be so precise and when we use these chemical compounds, it just kind of throws everything for a loop. And on the positive side, it's really amazing what can happen when you just kind of get out of the body's way and let the body repair and do what it's supposed to do. When we take out these chemicals, the body is able to really, again, like come back into working how it's supposed to work. That messaging system kind of like finds its balance again and things do find their way back into balance, but it, it can take time. Yeah, I wanted to ask you if your personal journey too, when you first started to make those swaps with the deodorant or for example, swapping a candle, 
what were the first changes that you noticed in your body after making those swaps? I noticed that I I had more energy. I wasn't getting sick as often. And when I would get sick, it wasn't as intense. It didn't last as long. I wasn't feeling like sluggish after meals. That was a diet related thing, but I felt like I had so much energy, so much more energy after changing my diet. And then, yeah, the products really impacted my hormones positively. Periods became easier. Hormonal acne became, I mean, acne is still something I would say like I'm prone to genetically, but it's, it's so much different than it was back when I was just kind of using whatever. Yeah. That's incredible. I feel like most people when they're reading labels or thinking about making a hormone-friendly swap, they get overwhelmed because they don't know what they should be looking for. And then they're like, is this really going to make that big of a difference in my health? Like if I change from secret to a natural deodorant, am I really going to feel any better? But like I said, that was one of the first swaps that that I made. And I think people, they go to this natural deodorant and they're like, this is making me smell worse. So I want to ask you about detoxifying your armpits, what that process looks like, and if it's something that everybody should do before they're switching to a natural deodorant. Yeah, I love this topic. I think deodorant is the number one swap that everybody should make because not only does conventional deodorant contain chemicals that are going to be, I mean, like take aluminum, for example, it's been linked to Alzheimer's disease and then parabens. Those are in most conventional deodorants. Those have been found in 98% of breast cancer tumors that were sampled in one study. And so not only are we putting these harmful substances into such a sensitive absorbent area that's close to so many lymph nodes, but we are actually blocking our pores and stopping sweat from coming out. And sweat is so important for detoxification. And so I always, I just want to plug that. I think switching to natural deodorant, if you don't do anything else, that is step one. such a big one. Yeah. Step one. And then yes, to your point, um, it can be more pleasant if you do take time to detox your underarms before making the swap. I mean, you can go right from conventional to using our deodorant. But yes, you may be like extra sweaty and extra smelly for a few weeks. Your body is just like purging of toxins that have been bound up and held in the tissue for years and years and years. So it makes sense that there's going to be some extra sweat happening during that time. There's going to be extra sweat. Is there anything you can do? Is, Is detoxing your armpits just not using any products on your armpits? Is it maybe a little bit of magnesium spray? What should people be doing during that period before they start using natural deodorant? Yeah, magnesium. Um, magnesium can really help odor-wise, and it's a great mineral that most people are deficient in. So it's it's important to to get enough of that. So that's something that people can do. You can use you can make like a clay mask okay. on your underarms, like mix a little bit of clay with water, and then just kind of make it into a paste and put that on your underarms, and that'll help to pull the toxins out as well. You can mix some charcoal in. Also, you can take charcoal internally, um, and also just focus on like diet, and you know that's going to help also. You can prioritize activities that are going to help you sweat while you're detoxing. So you can take hot baths, hot Epsom salt baths. You have access to a sauna. That's a great way to sweat and get toxins out. Me too. Yeah, I love them. And how long should this detoxification period last? Anywhere from a week to four to five Maybe six weeks okay. on kind of the long yeah. end. So just warn your partner, your friends, hey, like, yeah. I might be a little stanky. Yep. And if they are like, I can't handle this, then you're just like, all right, I'll see you in three weeks. <laughs> I'll see <laughs> exactly. you in three weeks exactly. when, I, when I smell good again. Yeah. And then people usually find that they that normalizes and then they sweat less and smell less than they ever did before. Okay. And I want to talk to you about something because I know this was related to my hormones. Stress, sweat. I think yes. it smells worse 
than just right. like sweating from your body temperature being higher. Yeah. You know, when I was diagnosed with PCOS and I would exercise and all these things or just sweat in general, I feel like I just produced a lot more sweat. Is there anything that you can recommend for managing that on top of using a natural deodorant? Yeah. Is maybe the charcoal? Is it ingesting more magnesium? Is it a magnesium spray? What can people do if they really want to make sure they're smelling nice on top of the natural deodorant? Yeah, that's good. Stress sweat is it's tough because we can't always like control that as much. And I would just say kind of like more of the same stuff and then also maybe incorporating some habits that are beneficial for stress relief and mental health as well, just to kind of make it less of like an issue as a whole. Another transition that I made, it's and then it's a common product that we talked about are candles. And I know that initially I was looking into candles that are made from soy. And I want to get your opinion on that ingredient. And then if we should be looking into candles that are made with coconut wax, beeswax, what are the best ingredients to look out for? Soy, I would say, is is like a better option than a lot of the petroleum-based waxes that are in the majority of candles. But um, I, beeswax is my personal favorite. For And um, coconut wax is good as well. But beeswax has the ability to actually purify the air in the space that it's being burned. So you can actually like help to cleanse the air in your space by using a beeswax candle. Soy wax. I don't love soy as a crop in general, just because of how badly it is monocropped in the central United States and destroys so many native habitats and organisms. And it's very heavily genetically modified as well. Um, Can be estrogenic. So I'm not a huge fan of soy, but it is a little bit better than the, I would say, than the petroleum waxes. Okay. I love that. I feel like a candle is such an easy swap along with deodorant. Yeah, I agree. And there's a lot of other trends that I've seen on your Instagram and just in general on TikTok, Aquaphor going Mm. all over the face, on the lips. I want to know your opinion on Aquaphor and the ingredients, what it's potentially doing to our skin or our body when we are lathering our face. And I think it's called slugging. Is it called slugging? Is that the trend? Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> I love slugging, but okay. not with not, not with aquaphor or Vaseline. Um, petroleum-based products, you know, they're they're going to give the illusion of moisturizing because they're creating like a greasy barrier okay. to your skin. Um, you're, they're not allowing the skin to breathe at all. Petroleum is not like a healthy, petroleum-based products are not like healthy for the skin at all. They're not good for your cells. They're not good for your mitochondria. And so, yeah, slugging, love it as a trend, but not with Aquaphor or Vaseline. So we should be slugging with face oil? Oil, oil, tallow. Now that we have the 411 sluggings in, but just not with Aquaphor. The other trend that I saw on your Instagram was consuming raw dairy. What are the benefits? Why are people scared of it? And why is this something that you believe in? I'm a big fan of raw dairy because it has so many beneficial bacteria and enzymes that are really good for the gut. And anything that's good for the gut is going to be good for the skin. And so conventional pasteurized homogenized dairy actually kills a lot of the beneficial bacteria in dairy that allows you to digest it properly. And so when you're, it's a totally different thing than just milk, like standard cow milk that you're going to get from the store when you're consuming raw milk it actually has been shown to heal eczema. I know a lot of people like that have eczema are sensitive to dairy, conventional dairy, but raw milk has actually been shown to improve that and, and, you know, rid people of eczema and heal eczema. And so it is a great option. And, and I always come back to like ancestral living and ancestral eating, and it doesn't get much more ancestral than like 
milk straight from the cow. <laughs> right. So it's not the dairy that's the issue. It's the processing. It's how it's made. Yeah. Okay. And so that's what people need. And to how it's raised with. and how yes. it's raised. So I would like grass fed, grass finished is really important to consider as well when you're looking at a dairy source. I didn't do any dairy for a really long time, but recently we found a good source of raw grass fed, grass finished dairy. It's actually an Amish co-op that we okay. get it from. And there are a few of those that people can look into in their Google area. and find. Yeah. Is that where you recommend getting raw dairy? If you're it's the best place I know of okay. to get it. Um, I know there are a few brands that you can find in stores in California um, that are pretty good. But in terms of like getting that grass finished raw dairy, um, the Amish know how to do it right. Okay. And I'm some states notes. are hard with raw milk too. You yeah. can't find it everywhere I'm because of legalities. Be Florida. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to find yeah. it. We'll have to, we'll have to talk. We'll I'll, I might, yeah. The last trend I saw you talk about, which I feel like is a controversial one is sunscreen, wearing sunscreen on a daily basis. I've heard people say rain or shine, you should have sunscreen. And then I've seen other people say that maybe it's not the best for our skin. So do you believe in wearing sunscreen on a daily basis? I believe in wearing sunscreen on a daily basis if you're in the sun for extended amounts of time on a okay. daily basis. And okay. that would be the only circumstance. Okay. So I am not like pro go out in the sun, get burnt. It's okay. No, like it's not okay to burn. It's not good for your skin to burn. Mm -hmm. I want to be clear about that. But there are some risks to sunscreen that I don't think a lot of people consider. Like one it depends what type of sunscreen you're using. If you are using a sunscreen that is loaded with chemicals, some of those actually sensitize your skin, like make your skin more vulnerable to sun damage. They don't necessarily reflect the rays. They can absorb and scatter the rays across your skin. Some of them have really unbalanced UVA to UVB ratios in terms of protections. Most of them protect really well against UVB rays, and those are the rays that cause us to burn. Those are also the rays that give us vitamin D, but they don't offer much protection against UVA rays and UVA rays are invisible, cause invisible damage to the skin short term. Long term, they cause a lot of aging and damage to the skin. And so even if it says broad spectrum UVA, UVB protection, the rules in our country for companies to be able to say that are very loose. And so you really don't have to prove that much UVA protection in order to state that you have broad spectrum UVA, UVB protection. It's stricter in Europe, but you just have to be very careful. The only thing I'm really comfortable with in terms of sunscreen is zinc oxide. I love zinc oxide because you can see it. I know not everyone is comfortable with the white. The white cast. Um, yeah, but there are tinted options out there that are great and you can like visually see it on your skin and it really offers a, a strong physical barrier against both UVA and UVB. When you say you use zinc oxide, is this just like single ingredient zinc oxide and you put this on your face before you put your makeup on? Are you reapplying it throughout the day? So I use right now a small brand called Little Hands Hawaii. I Little just Hands found Hawaii. it at okay. like a farmer's market in Hawaii and okay. I've been ordering it ever since. It's you super simple. Online. You can order online. Yeah. They have several different tinted options. It's made by this cute little surfer family. And yeah, it's like very simple. It's like coconut oil, non-nano zinc oxide, and a couple of other ingredients. Okay, well, I'm going to place my order because I'm That's in great. Florida and I'm in the sun all the time. Yeah, their tinted one, I love. Like I'll use it instead of makeup a lot. And now that we've talked about our viral trends and your opinions on them, I want to transition into wellness practices. You guys have body dry brushes that I love. I use on a weekly basis. It's my favorite way to exfoliate boost lymphatic flow, get my circulation going. And then you also have facial cups. 
I do want to talk about dry brushing first and the benefits, how often you like to do it. And can you just educate people on why it's important for, for our skin? Yeah, I love dry brushing. It is really good for boosting lymphatic flow. And that is just helping your body release toxins and get rid of toxins, break up stagnation in the skin. And so tangibly, it can be really helpful for softening the skin, can be really helpful for cellulite. It just feels so good. Like you can feel things like moving and flowing after you use it. We have tutorials on Instagram and on yes. our website that people can check out. I know you have a lot of really I helpful tutorials, yeah. um, content <laughs> on lymphatic stuff, dry brushing included. And so, yeah, it's just very light strokes and it may feel a little intense at first, but you're, it's kind of crazy. Like your skin will start to just crave that feeling like the more you do it. It really does. I like to do it before I get in the shower mm-hmm. and then I'll obviously wash all the dead skin off. And then if yeah. I'm not self-tanning, I'll apply the body oil because I feel like my skin just like absorbs it so much better after I dry brush. Prioritizing my lymphatic health in general is one of those things that helps a lot too. I mean, obviously dry brushing is great. Cupping is great. But with my inflammation and swelling like visibly because I was holding on to a lot of water um, in my face and my arms, my legs would get super puffy. So when I started implementing those habits, like all together, like the at-home massage, the dry brushing and the cupping, visibly could see a difference in the inflammation and the water retention. Yeah. Yeah, It makes sense. And it's one of those things where you're like, maybe you do it the first time and you're like, I don't, I don't know if I feel anything, but if you're consistent Consistent with it, it it makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And what about cupping for people who are new to it or don't know how to do it? I like to put your oil on first. I'll open my lymph nodes and then I'll take the cups along my face and on my chest. But do you have a routine that you like? Yeah. Cupping's amazing too. It's like you, these tools are all kind of great to have. You can, as you go along with it, you can kind of feel out like what your body or your skin needs on any given day. And cupping is one of those things that in the beginning you can do it every single day for the first two weeks. And then you really only need to do it like two or three times a week going forward. It's, I would say a little bit more intense than the dry brushing for the face, Mm -hmm. but it's amazing. You can do it. um, Like you said, you apply the oil first and you want to use a generous amount of oil before you do facial cupping because it does tug at the skin and Mm -hmm. you don't want it to, you don't want it to tug too much. You know, I also use a supportive hand. So if I'm pulling, I'll make sure I press here. So it's not sure (laughs) when I first did the first time, I was like, am I giving myself a hickey? (laughs) I got stuck. I'm like, okay, hand here and then pull. (laughs) My sister-in-law was doing it and she was doing laundry at the same time and forgot that she had it on. Oh so it was no. on her forehead. And for like a week, she had this big red mark on her oh, forehead. That's something that would happen to me. You just forget. You're like, oh, this feels totally. great. It's so like walking around with yeah. the on your forehead. Yeah. Oh and there, there's two different ones. There's a smaller one yes. for around the eye area and then a bigger one for everywhere else, really. You start with kind of downward motions on the neck. And then there's a the whole flow to it on the face, kind of going outward and then upward on the forehead. The forehead feels so good, it especially does. if you're congested at all. Yeah. It really helps to break up congestion. Yeah. And then if you want more pressure, you put your fingers closer to the bottom of the cup, yeah. correct? And then less, you can kind of scoot your fingers towards the end. Exactly. I'm going to link them in the description so people can get a visual for what we're talking about. But we're not talking about like glass cups that you put on your right. back. It's right. like gentle. It feels incredible. And yeah. when you have oil on, it's like a very... The spa-like experience. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I don't yeah, yeah. think people realize how much tension we carry in yes. our face because of the expressions mm-hmm. and just the emotions that we hold there. So any type of lymphatic work on the face is, it's not just great for the skin and breaking up stagnation and stagnation is what causes fine lines and wrinkles. So it's great for that, but it's also just emotionally 
really helpful for breaking up like emotional stagnation from tension that we hold. Yeah. What about for people who have acne? Is this a practice that people with acne should stay away from or is it okay? It's really good to do it on the neck. If you have a lot of acne on the face, you don't necessarily want to do it over areas that have a lot of acne, you know, a few pimples, it's fine. But Mm -hmm. if you're dealing with intense breakouts, um, probably good to just kind of avoid those areas. But the lymphatic work that you can do around those areas will also increase flow in the areas that have more acne. Okay, perfect. Yeah. When it comes to full body moisture, and this isn't necessarily, you know, like a wellness trend per se, but just keeping the body hydrated. Your body butter is made with beef tallow. I want you to talk about why you chose that ingredient. You guys, this body butter is incredible. It melts into your skin. I love using it for lymphatic massages, but I have never seen beef tallow in a body butter. So I'm curious why you chose that ingredient and how you sourced it. Yeah, it's so creamy and rich and beef tallow got on my radar with my family's farm. I was just learning more about ancestral living and like what did people use to moisturize their skin before lotion was a thing. And beef tallow was coming up a lot for me. And so I started making it from tallow from cows on the farm and What you do is you just, you render the fat, the suet, and you melt it down and then you filter it out and you're left with just this really pure moisturizing oil. And it's really rich in vitamins A, D, E, and K, which are all fat soluble vitamins. And it's found in, all of those vitamins are found in the tallow in a balanced combination with their activators. So that is just not something that you see in plant-based ingredients. And so kind of like our diet where, you know, if you're an omnivorous person, you're eating like quality animal protein and you're eating plants. And so in terms of how we care for the skin, that's our philosophy, philosophy, like plants and animals contain unique nutrients that you can only get in one or the other. And so why not combine both of them and use both of them on the skin versus like only using plant-based ingredients? That's incredible. I mean, I can feel the difference in the body better when I'm using it on the skin. Yeah. And it's a part of the animal that oftentimes gets wasted. And so it's like going back to ancestral wisdom, our ancestors used every part of the animal, like every part of the animal has value. And so that's kind of what we, what we believe and why we use it. I know we've talked a lot about acne and I want to dive into skincare and the connection between stress and skincare. I feel like just stress in general and acne are so related and there's other practices even more so than the products we're putting on our face. Was there anything that you did for your stress in particular that was correlated to, you know, the transition you saw in your skin and managing your acne through stress? You know, that was one thing that honestly hasn't been a big focus of mine until more recently. I was going through life so unaware of the emotional like stress side of things. It was more like diet, lifestyle, but like the stress piece. The two are so interconnected. And sometimes while the products we're putting on our face are so important, it's like the stress going back to the root of the issue can really help in addition to making the product swaps. Yeah, I agree. I think stress is huge. And that's that's a big part of the brand too, is like, how do we give people these little moments in the day to just slow down and just just be, you know, not have to worry about things. And so that is like when we're creating products, something that we keep in mind too, is just how does it feel? How does it smell? Like what kind of an experience is this giving the user? It's ritualizing your routines. Exactly. And turn it into a ritual instead of a chore. That's the vibe for 2024. It's like, it's a ritual. It's not a burden. You don't have to do all these every single day. I don't do all of them every single day. But they are fun practices to learn about, especially if you're somebody who's new to this, because this is the first comment that I'll usually see and you can add your opinion here too is like for people who are just beginning you hear about everything we've talked about on this podcast the dry brushing 
the cupping, switching products. It's like, okay, whoa, it's almost so overwhelming that people don't even know where to start. And then like that of itself adds a layer of stress. So I think slowing down, starting with the deodorant, maybe getting a candle next. Yeah. And not thinking that you have to do all of it at once because these are things that I learned about over the course of four to six years that I've slowly implemented. Yes. You like know? if anyone compares who's coming from a very conventional perspective, compares yeah. what their, you know, morning or bedtime routine looks like to what yours looks like, they would yeah. probably feel discouraged because, right. you know, you're doing all these amazing things, but it's like you said, you've been on this journey for a long time now. And so it's not about doing everything all at once. Mm-hmm. It's about starting with something and knowing that anything you're doing is going to make a difference for the better. So anything that you implement is going to be beneficial in the beginning, whatever, whatever positive change it is, even if it's the smallest thing, like starting with something is going to make a difference. Right. And so now I have all these things in my back pocket that I can kind of pull out like when it makes the most sense, depending on what the day looks like, depending on what I have time for. There are some things that are just absolutely like non-negotiable. Yeah. Um, Like every morning, 99% 99% of the time I go on a walk with my one-year-old and I still put him in the ergo. And so we go outside and it's pretty much right at sunrise and we get a walk in and we're exposed to morning light to set our circadian rhythm for the day. I get some movement in walking is really good for the lymphatic system yes. to kind of wake that up. And so that's kind of like just, I always do that. But then there are other things that I do when I have time and I don't do when I don't have time. And so those are things like facial cupping and gua sha and going in my infrared sauna and going on my PEMF mat and coffee enemas. And, you know, there's dry brush, pretty much dry brush every day. But wait, can you talk about coffee enemas? (laughs) I saw them on your blog and I'm like, I have to ask her. Have you ever tried one? I've never tried one, but I am so curious about the process. So please tell me like how it goes, how you feel afterwards, why you like to do them. Yeah, it's (laughs) oh my gosh. I was like voice texting my friend when I did it for the first time because it was so it's so weird and overwhelming at first. Where do you even go to get a coffee enema? Um, You can get the kits like on Amazon. Oh, you can do it at home. Yeah, yeah, you do it at home. Okay, so you don't have to go into an office. No, okay. You if you're getting a colonic, which I also do. Okay. um, um, that you go somewhere for okay. and you can do coffee colonics, which are like my favorite thing. But coffee enemas are a great thing to do at home and they're very easy once you get okay. the hang of it. At first, okay. just weird and overwhelming, but very easy once you get the hang of it. But you brew the coffee. You have to get a certain kind of coffee, like or you want to do organic mold free coffee. So we're not we're not brewing our like French vanilla. Yeah. Hazelnut. No, <laughs> like, like, no, <laughs> no, you're not brewing Folgers. <laughs> um, and yeah, you get the right kind of coffee. And then you, you know, the enema kit like has its own instructions that you can follow. You just pour it into the kit and you goes down this tube and put it in your, in your rectum. And then you let it sit there for as long as you can hold it, hopefully about like 10, 15 minutes. Okay. And then you excrete whatever comes out and then you just get, you get so clear headed. You get this burst of energy. It actually increases your body's own glutathione production by like a hundred times, which is insane. Wow. Glutathione is the body's master antioxidant. So it's good for doing all sorts of repair work and lowering inflammation in the body. You, This is a health hack where you really feel a difference. And that you feel it immediately? You feel it immediately. It really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're the first person I've talked to about coffee enemas. So now really? like, I want to oh, go man. home and try one. Okay. You'll have to let me know if you try it. So you do it in the bathroom, the bathroom. right? Okay, mm-hmm. so you insert in the bathroom and you mm-hmm. just kind of like, lay down. You, you, lay oh, down. you lay down. Yeah, okay. you lay down as you're doing it. You can kind of, you can read, like you can make it, you can light a candle and make it kind okay. of a peaceful experience. I'm going to get detailed. Yeah. Are you laying Fine. on a towel? Yeah, I lay on a towel. Okay. I put and a towel down. You put a towel down. Put a blanket on. With you wear a robe. 
within like 10 to 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you will excrete everything mm-hmm. and then you feel the difference right after it. Yeah. Last conversation that I want to have with you is just more about motherhood and being a business owner. You're a mother of three. I read recently that you've been helping your son through mold toxicity. And I also think there's not a lot of education on mold toxicity, what it can do to our health. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. The mold stuff has been gnarly. Thankfully, I, before we found out that we had high levels of mold in our home, I knew about mold. I knew that it wasn't something to mess with. And so last year, last winter time, myself and my kids were just getting sick way more often than is normal for us. And we weren't really recovering quickly. Like we weren't bouncing back from these sicknesses. So, you know, despite eating really healthy diets, eating really clean and doing lots of good, having lots of good lifestyle habits in place, we just weren't recovering well every time we would get hit with something. And so we got our house tested, got the results back, and it came back that our house had really high levels of mold. And I don't know if anyone in your audience is familiar with the ERMI test, but it's it's kind of the right now one of the gold standard tests, I would say, for mold. And your overall score is supposed to be a five or under. Ours was a 26. So oh anything over, goodness. yeah, pretty crazy. Anything over a 15 is kind of like get out now, Alarming. like not Which safe. A 26. The 26. And no smell, like no other red flag. Nope. The mold tests that they run when they, when you buy homes are kind of a joke. They aren't very telling, okay. really. Once we found that out, we actually bought a canvas tent. We built a deck in our backyard, pitched the tent on a deck. We started sleeping in the tent. We did this for months. 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 And this was in the winter. Granted, we're in Southern California, so it's not like we have these like harsh winters. But it was cold, you know? It was like we had a few nights that were in the 30s and 40s. And we we put beds out there. It was great. Like we put, you know, full-on bed frames, mattresses, like... We made it cozy. We, my kids and I, like, and my husband, we would wear like sweatsuits and beanies and socks with the little like heater packs oh in them to goodness. sleep. It was actually like a really cool family experience bonding. as a family. It does kind of sound like you're just like camping every night with the family. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It was, it was cool in some regards, but it, it got old at one point. So then we, we had the remediation done, which took several weeks. And at one point we were like, didn't have access to our kitchen or anything. We were doing dishes and like buckets outside. I was like, man, this is real. This is real like um, ancestral living (laughs) in action. Really going back to your roots. Yeah. (laughs) We were, well, aside from like, you know, modern conveniences, laundry, we were doing laundry at like family members' houses and stuff. Um, But honestly, like we started feeling like really good pretty soon after doing that. And then pretty soon summertime came around. We kind of took off and did this big road trip as a family. And then once we got back from that, we did a lot of camping on the road trip too. So we just really focused on like basic things. Mm -hmm. And I think that I was really encouraged by that because we all, I mean, we didn't get sick at all. Like after the initial, after we recovered from that like rough winter, we didn't get sick at all. The rest of the time we were tent living and camping and we were just prioritizing really simple things like Mm -hmm. sunshine, fresh air, grounding. Grounding is another powerful practice that I'm really passionate about that anyone can do. It's free. It's just the idea of connecting your feet to the ground and soaking up those negative electrons that are really good for balancing inflammation. And so, and then connection, connecting with, you know, each other as a family, connecting with friends and family while we were on this trip, having fun. We were just doing all these really basic things and felt so much better by the end of it. And then we came back home 
and we moved back. We moved into our guest house. That's where we're living now because we okay. had that totally gutted and remodeled. And now we're kind of working on more in the main house just in terms of remodeling. We've already remediated the mold. But yeah, it's been kind of a whirlwind and and it's been a lot with like three kids. We had just had our son was, you know, gosh, five months or so old when we found out about all of this. So it was it was just kind of a whirlwind of a year. Yeah. Um, and we probably will do some like more in-depth detox stuff. We haven't, we just kind of focused on the basics in the beginning, which I, I don't regret. I think it was really great mm-hmm. for us, but we'll probably do some more detox, like my husband and I and the kids this next st- year. We all do Epsom salt baths Amazing. and we have a sauna. The kids even go in the sauna sometimes okay. for short periods of time. Like that's really good for them. So we try to just incorporate those on a regular ongoing basis, but because yeah. we did have such intense exposure, we'll do like a deeper detox as well. Sorry that your family had to deal with that, but it sounds like you really turned it into a moment of, of bonding and that you guys felt a lot better quickly after yeah. getting out of the house. Yeah. I was really encouraged by that. And then more just on motherhood in general, when it comes to the way you've raised your kids, is there any piece of advice you have for moms who want to make wellness more fun for their kids? Yeah. Their I think kids. including them in the process if like baking. I love baking with my kids. Mm-hmm. They love baking. And so just letting them be a part of making their food and then enjoying it together is like such a good way to get them excited about eating and, and healthy eating and, you know, eating as a way to nourish their bodies as opposed to just like this momentary moment of pleasure, like just having them see the whole process and right. be a part of that whole process. It's so fun. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old girl and my one-year-old's a boy and my two, my two older girls, they love baking. It's a fun bonding thing we do together. And there's, you know, you can get like healthy sprinkles that are made with um, like food-based colors instead of artificial colors. So there's so many fun options now. It's it's really easy to find like healthy, healthy, fun ways to eat. Well, I'm not a mom yet, but I'm definitely going to be taking tips from you when the time comes on, on making all of that a fun process. But I think like you said, just getting them right into it and integrating the things that you were already practicing in your life is such a good way to do it. The last question I want to end with is your 2024 ins and outs. I want to have three ins and three outs for 2024. Love it. Okay. (laughs) I thought that was such a fun trend. It is a fun trend. Yeah. So in grounding, I think is a big focus for me. I just, if anyone isn't familiar with grounding, I would highly encourage you to watch the earthing movie with Clint Ober. He's kind of like the grandfather of grounding. So good. Like, the power of just connecting your bare skin to the earth is, it's incredible. So grounding, really big on that. Okay. Another one is prioritizing protein at meals. Like I said, my family has a regenerative livestock farm. So we have a really, we have access to a really good source of protein for beef and pasture-raised chicken. And those have been a part of my diet for a long time, but I've found recently just really making them a priority at every meal And, you know, it's not always those, sometimes it's eggs and other things too, but prioritizing protein is so beneficial for just feeling satiated, curbing sweet cravings, balancing blood sugar. Protein is really important for hormonal health. And so that has been, that has been a focus that has kind of developed over the last several months that I really want to consistently put into action in the new year. And then another one is just being mindful of my consumption. So consumption of, you know, what I'm looking at on social media, what kind of podcasts I'm listening to, what I'm 
buying online, just like where I'm spending my time and what I'm filling my brain with and what I am consuming overall. Because what I, you know, for anyone that's like into shopping or whatever, it's like you, you think like, oh, I just, I need that one more thing and then I'll be good. Like my wardrobe will be good for the season, but that's not really how it works. It's like that one thing leads to you wanting one more thing and then one more thing. And it's just such an icky cycle that I don't want to get caught up in. So just trying to be mindful of my consumption in like all areas of life this next year. I love that. What about your outs? Snacking. I have just found that the more I snack, kind of like I was talking about with shopping, like the more I snack, the more I want to, to eat. And then when I sit down for a meal, it's like, I'm not as hungry. I don't, it's, I don't enjoy it as much. And so if I'm really hungry, of course, I'm going to like eat a snack, but right. I'm not just going to eat a snack to like as brainless eating. Like, I don't like the idea of doing that. If I'm procrastinating or something, I find that I can be drawn more towards snacks and trying to kind of like break that habit of snacking to just for just for something to do. Yeah. I feel like eating more protein has helped me with exactly. that too. EMFs kind of like similar to kind of the flip side of the grounding one, just trying mm-hmm. to be more mindful of electromagnetic magnetic fields and things like turning Bluetooth off on my phone when I'm not using it in the car and keeping my phone on airplane mode if it's close to me, just things like that that I think I think that like we're going to look back on what we're doing now when our kids are our age and they're going to be like, I can't believe that our parents were like using technology as much as, as they did. Kind of like smoking was, yeah. you know, for our generation. I think that that is going to be the thing that our kids are like, wow, like I can't believe that they were all just like slowly giving themselves brain cancer and and didn't even like think twice about it. I don't know. Maybe not, but that's an out for me in 2024. Another out is not having enough alone time. So last year with all the craziness, the mold stuff, and just having a newborn, I I had very little alone time. And I'm an introvert. I really recharge by having time to myself, time to plan, to journal, to pray. And not having that, I think, really took its toll on me. And I just felt less centered and, and grounded. So I really want to prioritize that in the new year now that my baby's sleeping better and now that we're um, feeling more settled with our living situation. I think it's totally doable for me to have a little bit more alone time, maybe wake up a little bit before my family and just have some time for myself. I absolutely love those ins and outs. Those are incredible. Yay. <laughs> it's been so great to have you on. I know I've said this a million times, but I adore your brand and now meeting you, hearing your mission it's so inspiring, the love and care you put into your products and how much you truly care about your community. It's just so incredible. So I appreciate you for all that you've done. Before you go, where can everybody find you and where can they shop the Primally Pure products? Yes, our website is primallypure.com and we are really active on Instagram at Primally Pure. Our blog is also a great resource and that is purelifeblog.com. Thank you so much, Gracie. It's so cool meeting you in the flesh. I've been watching your videos for years and like seeing you use Primally Pure products and it's, it's so cool to meet you. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out with me today. You can catch a new episode of Wellness Her Way every Monday. I want to hear from you, so please subscribe, leave a review for this podcast, and let me know what you thought of this episode. Be sure to follow at Wellness Her Way Podcast on Instagram to connect with me and send in all the questions and topics you'd like to hear about. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this amazing community. I'll see you next week.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.